0: The New Testament reading is taken from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted and has devoted herself to every good work but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows.
1: Thanks, Karen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you on this uh, beautiful sunny morning. We've got some friends uh, outside of the church family here uh, who've adopted uh, a couple of little boys. Uh, They're both about uh, the same age as uh, my son Ezra, so sort of four or five years old. uh, And we see quite a lot of them. And uh, each year they celebrate uh, the day that the boys uh, came home uh, to be part of their family, uh, and they have a party uh, with the other siblings in the family. Uh, And knowing some of what life was like uh, before, Uh, They were adopted for those boys. Uh, It's really lovely to see the way that they are loved uh, and cared for in that family. The Bible tells us that we have the amazing privilege of being adopted uh, into God's family. Uh, Because of Jesus, we can call the God of the whole universe our Father, uh, and we can call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, lots of uh, hip businesses and brands these days like to say, uh, be part of our family, don't they? Uh, By which they they probably mean join our mailing list. But when we call one another uh, church family or speak of us being brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not just a nice way of speaking. Uh, God has actually made us spiritual family uh, for eternity. Uh, And when we live that out, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, It pleases our Heavenly Father. And it's a witness to the gospel. Now, if you are here uh, two weeks ago, you probably haven't managed to uh, forget uh, Ken speaking on the passage before this uh, and his key points to train, uh, not for a six-pack, uh, but for godliness. Uh, the key message was train yourself to be godly because it will benefit you and others forever. And it's a theme that comes up again and again in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, train yourself to be godly. Uh, And this week's passage is a a continuation of that. Uh, It shows us some of the practical ways that godliness will be worked out amongst us in the church family and in our relationships. Remember that Paul is instructing Timothy uh, so that he may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Uh, The church holds firm in and holds out the truth to the world. Uh, So the way that we relate to one another as church family, uh, really matters. So let's pray that we would uh, understand this passage today and put it into practice. Let's, let's bow our heads. Father God, please speak to us through your word this morning and give us ears that are willing to listen. And please teach us to be a church family who glorify you as we strive for godliness and seek to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, put yourselves in Timothy's shoes. Uh, He's a young church leader. He's got um, various congregations of different ages and uh, both genders. Uh, We know there are various issues in the churches. uh, And Paul is instructing Timothy to keep the church on the right track, uh, to keep the main things, the main things, uh, to not move away from the gospel uh, and to strive for godliness. Uh, but that's bound to mean having some difficult conversations. Uh, And so in verse one and two, we see Paul advising Timothy on how to relate to uh, older and younger people of both uh, sexes within the church family. Uh, Here's what he says. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Paul encourages Timothy uh, not to harshly rebuke older men in the church family uh, but rather to encourage them to do the right thing with respect and warm affection uh, as if he is speaking to his own father. Uh, he gives, uh, he's to give the older women respect and affection uh, like his mother and he's to treat the younger generation as if they're his brothers and sisters, loving them, caring for them, uh, treating them with absolute purity and self-control. Families, uh, when they're functioning well, uh, challenge one another, don't they? Especially when they know that something's important and it's for the good of the individual or family member. Uh, And as a church family, uh, we are to be challenging one another and encouraging each other uh, in an age-appropriate way to strive for godliness uh, in a way that shows respect uh, and warm affection and gentleness. When we think of uh, godliness, uh, often we kind of think of uh, sitting on our own, praying or reading our Bibles, don't we? Uh, But there's also a very practical down-to-earth side to godliness. Uh, And so Paul's next big concern in this passage uh, is the provision for widows. And he says this, take up the challenge uh, to look after your family. Take up that challenge. And that is part of godliness. The problem uh, he's addressing here is the provision for widows. Uh, and it's abundantly clear throughout the Bible that God cares about widows and those who have no one else to look after them. Uh, in the Old Test- Testament, Israel are told uh, again and again to look after widows and orphans. Uh, we're told that the Lord is the defender of widows and father to the fatherless. Farmers were, were instructed to, to set aside a tithe of their crop for widows and orphans. Uh, prophets regularly complain that instead of defending and providing for widows, uh, the nation exploited and oppressed them instead. Uh, and Jesus himself condemned those who devour widows' houses. Widows should have special honor, protection, and care. But who is to provide for them? Uh, take a look at verse 3. Uh, here's what Paul writes. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own households and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God. Uh, Who provides for widows? Uh, Paul says the first call uh, is on the widow's family. Uh, And the church is to provide for those who are truly left all alone and who have no provisions. And uh, there's a family responsibility to look after widows and older family members. The Bible tells us that every human has inherent value and dignity uh, that isn't related to their capacity or their abilities, uh, but is related to how they're made in the image of God. Uh, and that's why Christianity is the foundation for human rights. Uh, we start off life in a parent's arms, don't we? Uh, with them caring for us. Uh, and often that same parent uh, ends up in our arms at the end of life and yet at uh, both those stages at both the beginning of life uh, and the end of life uh, we're to treat those folks with dignity Uh, the Bible says they're no less valuable uh, than at the prime of life we're to treat everyone with dignity and the Ten Commandments says honour your father and your mother And Paul is uh, very direct here in this passage, passage, isn't he, in verse 7. He says, command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now that's meant to shock us. Paul's saying, if even the pagans took the time to look after their parents, how much more should those who are striving for godliness Uh, It is a fundamental Christian duty to look after our parents. Uh, And Paul gives us four reasons why in verse 4 and uh, the rest of the passage. He says that it's it's a way of uh, repaying our parents uh, for the care they've given us. Uh, It's pleasing to God. It demonstrates our faith rather than denying it. Uh, And it relieves the church of additional burden. Uh, God loves it uh, when he sees us caring for our family. Uh, so are we taking up the challenge to look after our family, uh, and particularly uh, any widows? I remember uh, a family from St. Joseph's uh, moving down south, uh, and uh, it was a big upheaval for their kids. Uh, it wasn't that easy, and uh, you kind of think, is this really the right decision? Uh, they'd move down south to look after um, this guy's mum, who was a widow. Uh, But it strikes me reading this uh, that there's something profoundly godly uh, about that decision to to move and to look after her. Uh, It's not glamorous, is it? Uh, But it is godly. Sometimes uh, looking after family will impact big decisions like that, where we live, uh, what jobs we take, uh, or how much we work. Maybe we're tempted to work such long hours uh, that we don't have time to look after family. Uh, But it's also in the smaller things, isn't it? I've had the privilege of uh, chatting to various widows in our church family uh, over this past week. It's been a real joy to spend time with them. Um, And one thing they've said is that it's often the the small things uh, that make a big difference. Uh, Regular phone calls, uh, being available when things are hard, uh, being present, being aware of uh, special occasions that might be difficult. Maybe there's a particular uh, challenge to you there for your family. So the first port of call is to be the widow's family but there will also be some uh, who don't have family uh, or at least uh, don't have family who are able to look after them. And so the next uh, thing Paul says to Timothy and to us this morning is uh, take up the challenge to look after those who have, don't have others to look after them. As we look at our community uh, and the world at large there are so many Uh, areas of needs and things we could help with and things we could give our money to. Uh, Where do we start? Uh, How do we prioritize? Paul gives the church two clear qualifications for support here. Uh, They're to focus on uh, those who are really in need and have no one else to look after them. Uh, Paul talks about those who are truly widows three times in the passage. Uh, And secondly, uh, they're to focus on those who are genuine church members and who are striving for godliness. So in verse 5, we see that true widows uh, set their hope on God uh, and they continue in prayer night and day uh, as opposed to being self, self-indulgent, uh, living for themselves uh, rather than for God. Now in verses uh, 9 to 15, uh, the second half of this passage Uh, Paul gives the requirements for a widow to be enrolled, uh, and there's some debate as to what it actually means to be enrolled, uh, because the requirements are uh, fairly similar to those that we saw for deacons earlier on in chapter 3. Does being enrolled just mean uh, being supported financially? Uh, Or is it being enrolled onto a list of widows uh, who would serve the church uh, and potentially be supported financially at the same time? I think it's impossible to know for sure from the passage. Uh, but either way, the, the context definitely points to them being provided for financially. And in verses 9 to 10, we see that those who are to be supported are godly older women, uh, women who have been faithful to their spouse, women who serve the church family uh, and care for those in need. And I want to press the pause button here because I want to stop and note Uh, how much widows contribute to our church family here. Uh, I'm so thankful for them. Uh, The widows in our church family are servant-hearted. They serve in so many ways, uh, often unseen, giving lifts, baking for others. Uh, They're prayer warriors. Uh, They serve on a Sunday. Uh, They serve both practically and pastorally. And it's been great to hear that some of them have recently set up a a group called The Encouragers, uh, Widows Supporting Widows. Uh, to help one another, to keep trusting the Lord, uh, even in their grief. They were a great blessing to us. Now, it's less usual nowadays uh, for widows to be left with no financial resources, although not unknown. Uh, But we can certainly say that many of our widows uh, meet the criteria Paul gives us if that support was needed. But Paul says here that he doesn't encourage putting younger widows on the list, uh, as we see in verse 11. Uh, Firstly, because there's a good chance they'll want to remarry, uh, and secondly, because they may be tempted to be idle. And now let me acknowledge that it's easy to be a bit wound up uh, by what he says in verse 14 in our day and age, uh, where he encourages younger widows to to marry and have children. Uh, But it's really important to to note the context here, uh, verse 15, which tells us that some women had strayed, uh, possibly into sexual immorality. And so he's saying that it's necessary to be realistic about sexual desires, and it's far better to marry uh, than to be led astray. Uh, But as Paul says uh, elsewhere, each person is free to marry uh, or not to marry. And he makes it very clear uh, there in another letter that he says these things for their benefit, uh, not to put any restraint on them. So we see here that the church's support is to be limited to those in genuine need Uh, and if there are alternative means of support, uh, they are to be used. Uh, And it's striking here that Paul instructs them to focus on those within the church family. Uh, The church itself cannot take responsibility for organizing uh, social care for everyone. Uh, I'm conscious that uh, this is a sensitive topic. Uh, I could be treading on some political ideals or views, uh, but it does seem very clear here that the church itself is to support those within the church family primarily. Uh, Jesus himself said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, And people will be drawn to that uh, as they see that, uh, as they see that there's something different about the way we love one another within the church family. Uh, Now, Let me say as well that that doesn't mean that as individuals, uh, we won't support those outside the church family uh, as we live out the call to love others and to uh, take the gospel to the world. Uh, Some of us might even be called to to work for charities doing that or to set up organizations to do that. Uh, But that's not the primary role of the church. Now, there's lots to think about there, uh, but let's not miss the point here uh, that we're to honor true widows. Uh, We're to look after those who have no one else to look after them within our church family. Uh, One of the great privileges of uh, being on staff is that sometimes you get to see uh, a bit more about what's going on uh, across the church family. Uh, And there are a number of people who have received practical uh, help, whether it's financial support or food shops or uh, appliances bought for them. Uh, And I'm so encouraged to see that uh, and to know that that is happening. Uh, And I know that those folks really appreciate that as well. But let's challenge ourselves to make sure no one falls through the gaps. Uh, God smiles uh, when he sees us loving one another, uh, and it's a witness to the world. Now, uh, I think there's a good case here for uh, creating some sort of church hardship fund. Uh, It's something that needs proper thought uh, and would need to be done very carefully. Uh, It's on our radar. Uh, But at the moment, uh, we need to be doing these things individually uh, and within our small groups. Uh, We're a church from lots of different backgrounds. uh, And let's make sure that we don't assume uh, that people are okay and that they aren't struggling financially. Uh, And let me say, if you're worried that someone does need financial support, uh, please have a chat to someone on staff. We might know a bit more background uh, or know whether they've received support previously. Um, And let me encourage you to also involve others, uh, so that when we're dealing with finances, uh, we're being transparent about that, uh, and so that the load can be shared, uh, but also doing it uh, in as confidential a way as possible uh, for the person's dignity. And with regards to widows, uh, most don't need financial help, but we do need to honor and love and support them. as we do that, it's really important to be mindful uh, and remember the fact that uh, grief may well be a part of everyday life for, for years uh, after they've lost a spouse. Uh, some have said to me that coming to church on a Sunday uh, can feel lonely, uh, and so it's really good to have someone to sit with. Uh, and it's also been mentioned that, that when you're grieving and feeling vulnerable and fragile, uh, it's harder to deal with someone changing plans or letting you down. Uh, so, so be reliable as far as you can be uh, when offering to do something or to meet up with someone. Uh, and simple things like meeting up uh, or a phone call uh, go a really long way. How will the world know uh, that we belong to Jesus? Uh, Jesus said that it's by the way that we love one another. Uh, God is so pleased uh, when he sees us living these things out. Uh, It makes him smile. Uh, It's a beautiful thing when the church family uh, comes to life in this way, the way that God intended. Uh, And it's a great blessing to us, uh, and it's light to the world around us. Uh, And the way that we will do that, uh, the way that we will live these things out uh, is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh, Here's what Paul writes elsewhere, and let me finish with this. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray that we would put these things into practice. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he gave himself up for us, that we might be part of your family. Uh, Help us to live that out. Help us to Strive for godliness and help us to love one another, Uh, not just in words, uh, but in really practical ways too. Amen.